0: And welcome to another episode of Chillin' in the Statehouse, the award-winning Kansas government and politics podcast. I am Andrew Ball, one half of the uh, Chillin' gang, or one third of the Chillin' gang, one half of the Capital Journal gang, joined by my colleague, fellow Statehouse reporter, Jason Tidd. Jason, how are you?
1: doing well and also happy birthday
0: thank you yes yep. yes very uh, happy birthday another another year around the sun and i'm very grateful to have spent
2: it recording an awful lot of these podcasts with you guys well and of course at my age a birthday yeah, equates to one year closer to death but uh, and, and that is <laughs> John <laughs> of the associated press that you were the hearing. runner-up state uh, land fossil by the way well in but, addition to being part of this wonderfully award-winning uh Uh, award-winning podcast
0: yes and uh, we probably will never let anyone listening to this ever forget it but we uh we are very proud and honored to have been recognized by the kansas press association as the podcast of the year uh news podcast of the year in kansas
1: and it's the first year that they have had this in their annual kansas press association awards so we are the inaugural plus
2: plus andrew is up for a grammy for his fall (laughs) seven so we we hope that goes well well,
0: in seriousness, we're we're very honored, and and there are a lot of great podcasts and a lot of great journalists in Kansas, and to be uh, considered among them is is very flattering, and and also it's it's fun. I th- I think we started this podcast as a way to to make the often complex goings on of the statehouse more accessible to folks, and and hopefully uh, uh, our listeners are are agreeing that that there we're having some success with that. And without you all, we we couldn't do this. I mean, I guess we could, but it would just be kind of us three talking into the void. (laughs) Which
1: which we do plenty of as is. Yes. Anyway, yes.
2: Well, Well, uh, on to a more contentious subject, right? Uh,
0: uh, Enough shameless self-promotion. Yes. Uh, This was a busy week. We got uh, 10 vetoes. Well, I guess 10 vetoes, including the transgender athletes veto, which was not this week, but... um, too many to a, a, a lot of vetoes from governor laura kelly on, on contentious legislation that reached her desk um
1: and more than a dozen uh line item vetoes in the budget
0: yeah uh,
2: including a, a couple more uh items that deal with hot button issues and anti-diversity equity and inclusion provision one in the state universities budget one in the uh It's the budget of the state board that licenses mental health professionals, as well. So, and 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 the funding for the uh, the centers, the pregnancy centers uh, that uh, the alternatives to abortion, the alternatives to abortion. Yes, that's where I was going. Uh, The centers that provide services to discourage patients from uh, having abortions and encourage them to carry their pregnancies to term. Well, and we
0: have more abortion to discuss. We'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point. Probably the biggest
2: veto Oh, there's, there's never a time when we can't discuss abortion here in Kansas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but maybe the best place to start and uh, is the four bills the governor vetoed on Thursday afternoon pertaining to transgender or anti-transgender rights. We have Senate Bill 180, which is the sweeping bathroom bill but also applies to other public facilities that transgender folks would have to use bathrooms changing rooms prisons domestic violence shelters Red
2: crisis centered that, county jail
0: that align with their uh sex assigned to birth actually county jails was a separate bill that the right. governor also vetoed but it
2: was also in the senate bill 180 i think if I'm remembering correctly. Uh,
0: state prisons was in yep. SB 180. Anyway. anyway, between those two bills, all prisons and jails Although, are covered. Although,
2: frankly, given the way that bill was written, even if county jails weren't specifically mentioned, they probably were yeah. covered.
0: Oh, that's a good point. And, and and really, I mean, I'll introduce the other two bills first, but then we can come back to SB 180. Uh, the other ones were a ban on gender affirming care for transgender youth, or, or at least... Uh, whether it's a ban or not, perhaps is up for debate, but it would uh, revoke the medical license of anyone who, who provides that care. And then a bill that would require that overnight overnight trip assignments for your schools, school activities, school sports uh, would have to be made on sex assigned at birth as well. Um, but John, you've done a lot of reporting on SB180, and, and I think this bill is really interesting. First off, because no other state has passed it. But second, because we don't really know the impact that this bill would have. There's there's still kind of a lot of vagueness to it. And the legislature well, will have a very viable pathway potentially to overturning the governor's
2: veto. Well, and and if you take the bill on its own terms, the exact language in the bill, what it does is it adds a, a legal definition of male and female, boy, girl, girl man woman in the uh, law that says that a woman is somebody who uh, was born when they were born they had a reproductive system designed to produce ova and a male is somebody who was born with a reproductive system uh, designed to fertilize that ova uh, there's your biology lesson for the day your basic biology lesson
0: maybe a little chiller in the state house than you thought you were going to get when you professor john
2: Hanna. Professor, no, i'm i'm yeah anyway that's that's the legal definition and it it in addition it says that compelling state interests of protecting privacy safety and um health justify separate spaces for men and women as defined by this bill um and therefore, they are not discriminatory and must be allowed. Now, you know, none of the supporters, and you all correct me if you've ever really heard a supporter describe this bill as a bathroom bill. I don't think I've heard them use that term. But they are,
0: have been very clear that this is designed to protect women exactly. and girls That's in where these I was kinds going. of spaces. Yeah,
2: that this would be a way of keeping transgender women, for example, out of bathrooms with cisgender women and so there's that but there's also you know at face value reading this bill um it would also prevent you from changing the gender marker on your driver's license and it would do the same thing for birth certificates except that there's a consent decree a federal court consent decree that the state signed in 2019 that requires the state to allow people to change their birth certificates So, and other than that, we don't know how this might play out. The governor's office suggested that it could hinder the administration of a bunch of programs, maybe cost them some federal funds. A long list, including programs that help women farmers and hunters. So, it would put us out of federal compliance with the
0: Prison Rape Elimination Act, uh, which Kansas actually was out of compliance with before the governor took office. It would potentially put state hospitals, mental health hospitals, out of compliance with federal law. Both of those could cost federal grant money. It's an interesting, uh, the ramifications seem potentially, and I think we're cautioning it only because the bill is it's only a page and a half bill i mean it there yeah
2: it, a lot of this is not spelled out well and and that suggests that a lot of things would end up in court in the state courts in the federal courts you know what i mean let's take an example you have uh, a recre a, a publicly run recreation center Sh- Ka- shawnee county runs a recreation center um and there are both bathrooms and changing areas in those centers um they're not specifically mentioned in the bill i mean but bathrooms and locker rooms are you know what about college dormitories would the how would this play out in uh in that sense um you know there's been a movement in uh, in colleges to make uh it's not like i was when it was when i went to college at ku rock chalk um when you had two guys sharing a room and the bathroom was down the hall um it's now they're now have been moving more toward you know like four-person apartments with their own bathrooms so how would all of this play out? How would we see a lot of lawsuits? Um, would we see a few lawsuits on broad issues? it's It's not clear.
0: And the legislature, so correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I believe the Senate would have the votes to override as is the House would, if absent Republicans shown up, potentially be able get to there. do so, but, that would be contingent on Representative Ford Carr, a Wichita Democrat, who voted for this for the first time around, doing so again. He switched his vote on the transgender athletes ban uh, to oppose overriding the veto, Well, signaling he might do the same. And we're
2: as well. assuming that there wouldn't be, for example, one or two switches of votes amongst Republicans True. who, you know didn't understand that the bill was this sweeping um maybe they did um or who who knows how the voting will will turn out based on what lawmakers have been hearing the last two weeks from their constituents well and um
0: Real we'll, we'll briefly on the gender affirming care ban, I think part of the reason we didn't spend as much time on that is the Republicans in the House are well off the pace. Yeah, needed. at least
2: a dozen votes in the House. Would, sure. I mean, anything can happen
0: under the dome until they go signy die, but seems unlikely. Yeah. Uh, Jason, two bills, uh, at least, where the governor does seem more likely to be overridden are the abortion related measures that she vetoed this week. Uh, we've talked about those before, but where did those sit as far as potential override effort?
1: So the most likely one to be overridden is the so-called born-alive legislation. Uh, John, how how
2: does the AP describe that? one? This is a bill that would subject doctors to potential criminal charges and lawsuits If they are accused when uh, there is a newborn who is delivered alive during certain abortion procedures, if they don't provide the same care that a reasonable physician would with other live deliveries. So, in other words, if somebody looks at the care you provided, if it's you know the the woman delivering or the the father or in the case of a minor the parents or if a prosecutor has some access to documents or testimony and looks at it and thinks that a re- a a reasonably diligent physician would have done something else would have done something more uh, with that infant, to to prolong its life, to his or her life, or save his or her life, then that's when this bill could kick in. And there is a lot of debate and discussion uh, amongst providers and anti-abortion groups over how often this happens. I think the supporters generally pictured this as, as applying to instances of, you know, I think the words they used were botched or unsuccessful abortions, but there are uh, uh, labor induction abortions. In other words, you induce labor very early in the pregnancy in terms of a, a fetal viability, understanding that, the, the newborn is not going to survive even minutes.
1: The, the picture painted by supporters during debate was that there is an abortion,
2: the fetus does not die, and, and they, then they, they, they put leave the, it on a cold table. They leave it on a cold steel table and go about their business and every so often look over and, you know, check—I mean— that that's the picture there's also of course the even the the rare case of for example kermit gosnell i think is his name the provider in philadelphia who i think it was seven or eight years ago went to prison over allegations that not only was he neglecting uh newborns in this circumstance he was actively um Killing them.
1: And the that way, was the allegation.
2: And the way that opponents
1: see this bill is first, that abortion is largely banned in Kansas after viability. So it would be very rare, first, for a fetus from a botched abortion to be born alive. Uh, second, that the exceptions to this are the mother's health and fetal abnormalities. And the scenario they envision is a fetus with a terminal fetal abnormality is born, and instead of spending its minutes or hours with the mother, the newborn is put into the NICU to spend its short life there.
2: Well, and and the argument, I I, I, you know, there was... There was legislation like this in Montana and you can, the criminal penalties were different and the the wording was slightly different, but it was the same general idea that Montana voters rejected in November. And so I've had conversations with folks in Montana and one of the comments, one of the opponents there of this bill made was that if you're talking about a newborn who is, say, born at 20 or 21 weeks, you know, is there even, for example, if you're going to try to get an air tube down his or her throat, is there even a tube that small? You you can't do chest compressions, this person said, because you'll just crush the sternum and everything under it. Um, so... You know, this is a situation where, for example, you could have a patient, a woman who's pregnant, wants the wants to have a child, finds out that there is this terminal abnormality, and, you know, sometimes they give a shot to stop the fetal heart, sometimes they don't, and it's all based on what—all of that is supposed to be based on what's best for the woman, and— The argument against this bill is now the state is inserting itself into these very, very hard decisions. And... it appears that the state will be
1: successful in inserting itself. Well, yes, and given the vote totals that we saw. we uh, were able yes. to bring over a few Democrats, so it looks like they'll have a relatively well, and, comfortable And, and there. there. And
2: also, there's also a reporting requirement in this bill. Kansas doesn't collect any data on this subject, and under this bill it will. And so there's a good chance that we will get at least a partial picture of how often this happens and and what's going
1: on based off of the last several reports of abortion more generally uh, i think there hasn't been a so-called late uh, t- late term abortion in kansas in a few
2: years since at least 2016 i think it goes back further than that there were some there were some on Kansas patients in other states. but uh, So uh, it, we might go a while without seeing any yeah, reports. Yeah, exactly. And that would tell us something as well. Uh,
1: now, this isn't, isn't the only anti-abortion or abortion-related bill. Uh, there's one on the medically uh, disputed concept of abortion pill reversal. And that bill also includes a redefinition of abortion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and there is a bill that uh, would take abortion clinics out of the state liability insurance fund and uh, insert maternity homes into it. And that proposal is expected to be vetoed on Monday.
0: And th- this is not even getting into some of the other bills the governor vetoed this last week, a bill ending the three-day grace period, the three-day post-election window for mail ballots to arrive, mm-hmm. a bill that would expand the use of the uh, in a National Rifle Association-sponsored firearm education program called Eddie Eagle Uh He's doing like eagle wing motions here, by
1: the way. It's because he used to work in Pennsylvania and doesn't cheer for the Chiefs.
0: <laughs> wow, that is the most slanderous allegation you could possibly uh, make. The
1: only worst one would be that you're a Broncos fan, <laughs> but it's not an allegation. I
2: thought that being a Raiders fan was being was worse than being a Broncos fan in Kansas City. Generally, well, because there are Broncos fans in Kansas.
0: That's I think that's been proposed as a line that you crossed into. Where you cross into Western Kansas is where you get more Broncos than Chiefs fans maybe that's just me trying to cope um <laughs> so a lot of different uh, you know we kind of could see this coming because when voters in november jason you made this point earlier today when we were talking informally voters made the choice to send the governor back for another four years and to re-elect Republican supermajority Kansas House and the natural consequence of that is you're going to get some level of gridlock I'm curious though, are are there any broader dynamics we're missing? And I'll start with John because you, yes, you've actually, seen enough second terms to maybe give well, us a historical. Well, governors view here.
2: tend to have rougher second terms than they had first terms, and you know that's also true of presidents. Everybody knows that your your time is limited. Um, you know, getting about year six, people start to wonder who's the heir apparent in the democratic party and who who's going to line up in the republican party all of that but we also have this interesting national dynamic where republicans have across the u.s um have embraced these culture war issues have decided that for example um all of that the transgender rights and, and transgender people's access to bathrooms and locker rooms, that gender affirming care for youth, um, in some states that even having requiring teachers to use preferred pronouns, that those are all major issues that uh, that are, frustrating and angering lots and lots of Americans. So, and, you know, there have there, there been a lot of discussion and attacks on the right on diversity, equity, and inclusion, on critical race theory, uh, on anti-racism philosophies, lessons, ideas. Um, you know, there's a whole environmental, social, and governance uh, factors using those in investing. that's also out there. I mean, the the state treasurer in Utah called ESG Satan's Plan. So you can see how the rhetoric on all of these issues has gotten hotter and hotter in just the last year, frankly.
0: Well, Jason, is, do we think that these vetoes on some of these issues will hurt the governor in terms of her political capital or, uh, based off kind of what we saw during her reelection, Because she stayed away from the culture wars. She focused on her narrow issues we've talked about in this podcast before.
1: Well, the the governor doesn't play up the vetoes in her news releases. She'll lead with a few bills that she signed and then... Have the veto messages at the end of the news releases. And you would think there would be several people who voted for her because they wanted a check on the Republican legislature. They wanted this gridlock. Uh, they would vote for their Republican uh, for the state house, then vote for the Democrat for governor. Uh, so maybe there are people out there who approve in. Like to see these vetoes, I and mean, we saw a poll from uh, was it Morning Consult mm-hmm. earlier this week? A fifty-eight percent approval rating, I believe,
0: for the governor. Yeah, I think it was
2: fifty-eight forty-four approved, and I think it was one of
1: her higher approval ratings. It'd be
2: like fifty-eight forty-two, wouldn't it?
0: But there were some that were there were some that were
1: undecided. Or... Yeah. So I mean, in a oh uh, yeah, I'm dumb. Yes,
0: yeah. It, the, maybe it was. There there were some, there were some you're undecided. You're just, you're
2: old and you're not doing yeah, that as quickly. That's, <laughs> yes. I mean, one of the
1: more popular uh, Democratic governors in a Republican state.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I think I, if the governor or one of her staffers was here, they probably would point to the... I, I think they trumpeted earlier this week. She signed like her hundredth bipartisan bill. I thought it, it was like 300. Or, you know, yeah, I
2: I mean, you know, that's, that includes stuff like naming highways and and the actual state land fossil. I mean, you know...
0: Well,
1: I mean, it, 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 the, the responses from Republican leadership this week has been the governor campaigned on being middle of the road, but she doesn't seem very middle of the road with these vetoes. Well, and, and see, it's... to
2: me, that's an interesting question. Is Is it a case of her... Being, as they put it, in the left ditch, or
0: Senate President Ty Masterson. That was his
2: phrase. Or are Republicans in general so ensconced in a conservative media environment that their assessment of what middle of the road is, is actually really on the right side of the road? and where and 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 not in the middle of the road and and we've really
0: we've really belabored the highway yeah well yes we've
2: we've we've beaten that metaphor to to the ground there but but to take an off-ramp here uh, (laughs) um the the you know there there are a bunch of sets of data points here that raise questions about what the middle of the road in kansas politics is Obviously, our middle of the road in Kansas would be different than the middle of the road in, say, New York or, you know, pick another state, Alabama, um, just to go more on the conservative side. But, you know, you had you had on the left side of things, you had the vote on abortion and you had all of the state Supreme Court justices on the ballot being retained. On the right, you have the fact that Ty Masterson is in charge of the Senate, and the House came back a little more conservative than it had been, probably. In the center, you have this very close election for governor that Laura Kelly won. So when you mix all that stuff together, also on the right, you should include Chris Kobach's election as attorney general. So when you mix all of that together, where is the center of the road in Kansas politics? And also is the center of the road of somebody of my generation on issues such as transgender rights, somebody who's say seventy versus somebody who's sixty or fifty-five versus somebody who's twenty-five, those are probably different things. So it it's it's a very and everybody wants to look like they're in the center of this mythical road that we have littered with the corpses of dead metaphors. Well, maybe not everybody wants to be in the middle of the road. Not Jim Hightower, the former Texas agriculture commissioner and uh, commentator who always said the only thing in the middle of the road are yellow lines and dead armadillos. So, No armadillos in Kansas. I think I've seen an armadillo in western oh, really? Kansas. Okay. Anyway. I'm sorry they're I'm they're, they're, hanging, over, out, they're prairie, hanging
0: out with the prairie chickens and uh, yes,
2: the prairie chickens as well um, so anyway, the question is where is the middle of the road? Is Kelly in the middle of the road and the Republicans on the right side, or are the Republicans in the middle of the road, and Kelly is off in the ditch. <laughs> I promised I would stop and then I continued. <laughs> You're laughing. It's like that Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's kidnapped by gangsters, and they tell him to shut up. And I, I, he keeps I, going, oh, I'm not one to stop, keep talking when I'm told to shut up. And he goes on for a minute, and the gangster says, shut up, shutting up.
1: Talking about a Bugs Bunny cartoon confirms that you are the runner-up,
2: Stately. <laughs> Ouch. Well, you know, Andrew's going to be joining me here since he had a birthday um anyway what other topics can <laughs> well
1: so this podcast is probably going up monday morning if you are listening to this before eight thirty a.m then you do not yet know what the governor is doing on the tax cut bill uh we also do not know so we but we have assumed all along that she would veto the tax cut bill because that's what and yet she's having an event at an Democratic. elementary school uh, and, that's uh,
2: not the usual thing a governor does when he or she signs a bill right, they don't, and she has or not had, or
1: vetoes a bill she hasn't had any events in the past two weeks for bill signings or vetoes uh, she usually does ceremonial stuff after the session uh, so for some reason she decided to do that with the tax
2: bill. Uh, Are we going to have to have a special podcast addendum to mention this? We've done it before. We have, actually. Well, well, we, the Republican mm-hmm. convention. I, uh, you and fact, I recorded yes. it in my car.
1: I, we, we, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, we've assumed all along that she's go- going to veto it because that's what's been telegraphed to uh, everybody that we've talked to. Uh, Including Republican lawmakers. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Presumably, she is going to veto it and say, "Here are the tax cuts I want you to do instead." Uh, and if Republicans don't listen to that advice and instead go for an override, they would be close. Uh, it will likely come down to how Carolyn McGinn, the senator from Sedgwick, votes.
2: Well, and and does it? Does the dynamic of that change from you know? final passage of a bill you don't know whether the governor is going to sign or veto it or we do this or we go home with nothing
1: right and the the way tax policy works uh, at least during the two sessions i've been here and probably the many more than two sessions that you have been here have been uh they bundle both uh non-controversial stuff with controversial stuff?
2: You know, back in the mists of time in the Jurassic Age, they didn't do that. Really? Um, for example, in 1986, and this is going from memory, um, when, the, when the governor, the Democratic governor, John Carlin, proposed raising the sales tax to close the budget gap, the bill just raised the sales tax. And so and it was a bill the number didn't change four or five times they didn't dump other things in it they it was just a sales tax increase and they considered different permutations of that and in the end all it did was increase the sales tax
1: and last year we had a tax cut bill with 29 bills bundled into it this year uh Lawmakers were not quite sure as they were trying to count how many bills in the middle of the night. It might
2: have gotten voting. up to two
1: hundred. I, I think I don't know. I mean, I think they said it was. Yeah, it was seventeen or eighteen Seventeen or eighteen, bills 18 across, realistically, but uh, like a one hundred twenty. Felt, felt like a couple.
2: It felt like a couple hundred, but it was it was only seventeen or eighteen, and and again, this is the uh, evolution slash devolution of the legislative process where. Um, and, and it's both- just gotten a lot looser than it used to be. And, and that bill, which
1: hasn't uh, passed both chambers yet, the, the 127 page with uh, 18 bills bundled into it, that passed the House without the House tax chairman having read it because there wasn't time to read it from the time... The staff put it together. Yeah, to the and, kind of and what's interesting is
2: what's interesting is every single Republican lawmaker in that chamber would have mercis- mercifully mocked Congress when, if its members had a big, thick bill that they hadn't read. Remember the criticism Republicans had of uh, the Affordable Care Act uh, of 2010 when it was pushed through and they talked a lot about, well, how do you know what's in it? You de- you know, you they haven't even read it. Um, and, and that is just, that is just a great illustration of something's a problem when the other guy does it. It's not a problem when you do it.
1: And so that tax bill that we are talking about, uh, which has not yet made it to the governor, uh, has a controversial piece from Genesis Health Clubs and a controversial piece from... Uh, anti-abortion counseling center tax credits and then the tax cut bill that is on the governor's desk the rest of the it's boring right one. yeah uh, and we have this dynamic where controversial pieces could doom the non-controversial pieces and will uh kansas taxpayers see some tax relief when we are looking at healthy tax revenues and budget surpluses we'll find out
2: we're we're Actually, I think you're understating it when we say we're looking at healthy revenues. It's a it's a gusher of revenues. Well, it's like, well, they can't they can't seem to cap it.
1: Well, the for the we, we found out this past week that for the fiscal year that ends in July, the surplus is shaping up to look like 1.9 billion, and uh, we had been told at the meeting that the surplus for fiscal year 24 was shaping up to be $3 billion. We uh, got a late notice as we were uh, preparing for this podcast, actually during the podcast, uh, that...
0: We're always working for you. Yeah, we we found
1: out that that budget number does not include the base special education funding. uh, So that $3 billion is more like...
2: A 2.5 billion dollars well, nobody can, nobody can survive on 2.5 billion dollars <laughs> just no. you know well for, it's all electronic by the way also uh, so it's so, not like there's a fault with 2.5 billion <laughs> one dollar bills in it uh, so although uh, i would like that pennies. i would like to see that
1: yes so if lawmakers go home uh after this week uh without having passed tax cuts uh, I'm sure they will have people who will want an explanation for why there's a $2.5 billion.
2: Well, yeah, well, I basically, was. they're sucking all this tax revenue out of people's pockets and piling it up in the state treasury and not using it or giving it back.
1: And, and thinking of money, uh, how is the budget shaping
0: up, Andrew? Oh, the budget got signed. Uh, Well, the bulk of it, anyway. Yeah, well, the first budget bill got signed, and we will have a few key items, um, a potential pay raise for state workers, uh, a few other things. And the biggest thing is the budget for K-12 education, which has been spun off as Republican legislators are wont to uh, do, loaded up with some other policy items and at the moment, it is not something that appears likely that the governor will sign because of some language, will spare the, the, the gory details, but language that school districts say could lead to a funding cut for them that would violate the school finance blueprint uh, signed off on by the Supreme Court a few years ago, Kansas Supreme Court. Uh, so that means that the, the possibility of a special session for school funding Uh, is very real and uh, that will be kind of one of the big items that legislators Uh, will be grappling with in their last week.
2: I'm I'm, going to ponder how serious the talk of the special session is because it is at least widespread enough that when I was picking up my chicken salad sandwich at lunch that the uh, person behind the counter had heard that, that some people talking about a special session and I wondered, okay, is that serious talk or is that the kind of talk they put out there so that legislators get down to business and solve that so they're not dragged back here uh, in mid-June? I mean,
0: legislators have vacations too, so uh, we will we will see. I, I think there are still a lot of unknowns, and, and the trajectory of this coming week will probably uh, – We'll know by the end of the week whether we should be rearranging our schedules in June.
2: (laughs) Hopefully. Exactly. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. You know, um, we'll we'll see. I mean, some of that might depend on what happens Monday with the tax bill.
0: That is true. Lots of unknowns. And if you want to stay on top of stories answering the questions all the unanswered questions that we all have the knowns the there.
2: unknowns the unknown knowns the known unknowns the unknown unknown knowns all those
0: couldn't have said it better myself if you want stories on that we got them at cjonline.com uh you can follow us on twitter minus the blue check mark at cjonline like us on facebook or instagram jason how about you where are you on twitter
1: I am at Jason underscore Tid, and it's my understanding that at CJ Online still does have its. Blue oh, check we do mark. good. Actually, I think it might be orange. Oh, okay. No, I can check.
0: So at Jason underscore Tid, beware people out there for the Jason uh, underscore Tid with one D is trying to impersonate Jason.
1: CJ Online does not have its blue check mark anymore.
0: Poor one out. Uh, beware the the impersonating uh, accounts impersonating Jason, though I, I'm told they're prevalent.
2: <laughs> well, and and just if there are no Disney references, it's not it's, it's not in, legit. It's not yes. legit. Yes,
0: I am at Andrew Ball B A H L. The reason you know there are no impersonators for me is because uh there aren't that many Andrew Balls out there. And John, where can they find your work?
2: Well, A P J D Hannah. Um, I don't. I, I'm not aware of any impersonators, but you know, some might try. Uh, I don't think many could, have tried. No one could ever. Succeed. I don't think anybody could get the quite quite the right mix of crankiness um, in, in there. And then, of course, uh, oh, you know what? I never did find out whether you have to put hub in there on apnews.com dot com backslash Kansas. Whether hub has to go in there, I'll check I, that out.
1: I I think that if you put Kansas. Without the hub in,
2: then it takes you to with the hub. Ah, okay. So, it it, it you can do it either way. We'll give you a choice at the Associated Press, um, which is good, which is fine. Um, so, and and we can find this award-winning yes, award-winning podcast at any place. Uh, fine podcasts, find albeit not award-winning podcasts <laughs> are found. I'm, I just, Andrew, I just can't wait until you have an EGOT. You know, uh, you might be
0: waiting a while on that one.
2: And, by the way, for the uninitiated, the EGOT is the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. I'm yeah.
0: still waiting for all four.
2: Yes. <laughs> Uh,
1: and and to get the obligatory disney reference in uh stay tuned this week to find out which one of the seven dwarves we are if we're sleepy or (laughs) grumpy uh i can only the
2: only other one i can remember is doc yes um sneezy wasn't there sneezy hi-ho the allergies are all i remember is my daughter would watch Snow White. When she was little, she had a Snow White costume. It was so cute. Uh, it was just was so, so cute.
1: That the allergies are here, but so are the uh, blooming trees outside.
2: Yes, very pretty. So yeah, anyway, my L- daughter L- had Lone a Snow White. Nice. It, that voice? That voice when Snow White sang? It just it made your eardrums bleed. Um, anyway, it was a 1930s thing because that movie was made in the 1930s. It was a landmark in American Do you animation. You remember going and watching it? I remember watching it on video with my daughter over and over and over again because small children, they like the same books in the same movies.
1: And for the best podcast listeners, you like listening to the same podcast
2: over and Indeed. over. Indeed, you want to go back to the beginning. Do you know we're now? Is this seventy-one or seventy-two of these that 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 have been done? I can't remember because we didn't do one last week. Right. So uh, but we're we're at or above seventy. We're going to have to have a big party when we hit a hundred. We
1: have about as many podcasts as the legislature sent bills. Uh, at the end of its session. I was
2: going to say, as vetoes that we've seen, (laughs) but that would be overstating it just a little bit.
0: Well, we'll be back up with episode number 73 of of award-winningness. Yes. Until then, have a good veto session week, y'all. We'll see you down the road.
2: The middle of the road.